We're at the beginning today the Gemara on Daf Kuv Dalit, eight lines down from the top of the Yamut, where it says, Lo yitain, lo This is going back to what it said in the Mishnah, when a person is a Goslin, and then he uh, swore falsely about this, that he doesn't have the money, and then later he admitted it. So then you have to pay the Keren, the principal, then a Chaymish, a fifth as well, and then a Karbanosham. So the Mishnah said that the only time you can have your kapara is if you send the actual keren itself directly to the owner. Not send, you, you bring it, you pay it directly to the owner. And the Mishnah actually said, and here this is the words of the quotes, You can't pay this, not by giving it to the son of the uh, nigzal, or not even giving it to his shliach that he sent. You have to give it to him himself. Okay, so in connection to this, the Gemara here brings a machlekes. Itmar, we learned the following machlekes. Shliach she'ose be'edim. A person that has a pekodoin and a deposit that he gave someone and he wants to pick it up and he can't go pick it up himself. So he has a shliach that in front of Edim, he appoints the shliach. Rav Chista says, have a shliach. This, he becomes your shliach and the relevance of the fact that he becomes your shliach is, the owner of this, of this deposit, is that now, as soon as this shamer gives over to this shliach this item, so that's it, it's out of his possession, now it's your shliach, and if any einus happens along the way, the shamer will not be responsible for this, because it's your shliach. Avchista, when Avchista says, sorry, that was Avchista, Rabba, that is, Rabba says, lo shliach. No, he's not considered to be your shliach. When the shaymer gives it to this shliach to deliver to you, the shaymer is still going to be responsible for anything that happens with this object along the way until it comes back to the owner. <coughs> still, it's still, he's a shliach, he's talking delivering it, but it's still the shaymer's responsibility. So the Gemara explains, what is this based on? says, this is, he's considered the shliach of the owner that appointed him, and the reason is because this is why, or Tarach, this is why this person went out of his way, that he brought Edim, when he appointed this Shliach to go and pick up this Pekodain, the uh, so it should be clear that Edim should see that I appointed him, the owner of, the, of this object appointed him, and therefore it's clear that it's his Shliach, so as soon as he picks it up, it's in his Dishos. Why is the owner of this Pekodain interested that it should be this way? Because otherwise he knows that the Shaymer is not going to want to give the Pekodin to return to him. Because the, the Shaymer is going to be afraid if I'm giving this Pekodin to this Shliach and it's, it's still my responsibility. Why, why should I rely on the Shliach? So therefore he wants, he made, put aid in there that it should be clear that it's my Shliach. But Rabba, ma, Rabba says, no, lo Shliach. This person is not, when, it, when the Pekodin will come into his possession, it's not like it came into <coughs> your possession. It's not your Shliach in that, to that extent. <coughs> I, why did he put Edim there that it should be clear that you appointed the Shliach? This is when he had Edim that were present there. All this was, what he was doing by this was, Inish Mehemnahu, he wanted that Edim should be there so that the Shemesh should know that I appointed them and I trust them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you trust them as well, you can follow me just like I trust them. If you trust them as well, then give it to the shliach to deliver it to me. But he didn't mean to say that I'm making them my shliach to the extent that when it's in the shliach's hands, it's already like in the owner's hand, that now it's not going to be the shaymah's responsibility. It's still the shaymah's responsibility. The Adim though, are there so that the shaymah can ask the Adim about this, and the shaymah, and the Adim will say, oh yeah, we see that the owner trusts them, so you can probably also trust them, uh, trust the shliach that is, to, to send it back. 
How the Rishayim explain, based on the, the Gemara and Bab Metzir, the Gemara is going to quote from Bab Metzir, if it's a situation where the, the Bala Mois, the owner here, appoints this Shliach, and he says clearly that you are my Shliach to pick it up, and, you, and uh, it, when it's in your possession, it's like already mine. If, if he spelled that out clearly, then the Gemara wouldn't bring any Machlaikas about this. But over here the case is, he didn't spell that out clearly. He's, he's appointing the Shliach, go pick up this thing, in front of Adam. Now, so in such a case, it's not clear what he meant by this kind of a shlichus. Did he mean to say that as soon as it comes into their hand, it's like in his hand already? Or no, all he's doing is he's saying to the shame here, you have a shliach available to deliver it to me, but it's on your risk. You can take, uh, you're going to have to take the responsibility for it. I'm just telling you, I trust them, so you can trust them too, but it's still all on your responsibility. It's not my shliach. That's the machlekes here. Okay, so the Gemara here brings from uh, Mishnah in Bab Mitzvah. Tanan Mishnah says, "A shoyel is a pada. A person is borrowing a cow. V'shulcha biyad noy biyad abde biyad shluchai, and the lender sends this cow to the person that's borrowing it, and it's in the hands of his son, his servant, or his shliach. Oy biyad noy biyad abde biyad shluchah shul shoyel." Or the shoyel himself, the borrower himself, sent his son or his servant or his shliach to go and pick up this cow that he's borrowing. And it died along the way, potter. The, the, the shoyel, the borrower, is going to be potter for the fact that it died. Now, of course, usually the halacha by a shoyel is that whatever aynas happens to whatever he borrowed, he's responsible for it. Over here, this Mishnah is saying, even though this cow was already in the possession of a shliach that he sent, to pick up this cow, but nevertheless, it's not yet in his possession, and he's going to be potter. So the Gemara explains, When it says here that the, that the borrower there is, the shliach, sent a, a shliach to pick up this cow, what's the case here? If there are no Edom that he appointed this shliach, how do we even know to prove that this is a shliach? Why does it have to say he's potter? The person could just come and say, I, ne- I never appointed him as my shliach. Obviously, the case over here is we have witnesses, we know for a fact that the borrower appointed this shliach, the katani de potter, and nevertheless, what does it say here? That the shoyel is potter. So, the Gemara Kashil Rav says the question of Chiste. Rav Chiste says that the moment you appoint a shliach in front of Aden, that itself proves that you want that shliach, whatever comes into his possession for you, to be already like it's in your possession. So here as well, if the, the shoyel appointed a shliach to pick up this cow, it's already like in the shoyel's possession. So you should be responsible for an aynas that happened. Why does it say you potter? Answers the Gemara, Kid Omer of Chister, of Chister answered regarding another question that the Gemara is going to bring right after this from our Mishnah, that it's not talking about a regular kind of shliach. Even though there in the Mishnah it says the term shliach, it's not a shliach that you befetish appointed to go on and pick up this cow. It's talking about someone that you have hired, <coughs> someone that works for you, or Lakita. Lakita means either someone that lives with you or someone that uh, is also a kind of a worker for you. What again? Okay, someone that works for you, and uh, and uh, he's going and picking it up for you, but you didn't befetish appoint him in front of Adam. So just like Rav Chista gives this answer regarding the next question the Gemara has over here as well, you didn't directly and clearly appoint him. It's someone that works for you and he knows that you want to have this pada and he goes and he goes to get it for you. So because you didn't directly appoint him, so therefore when it's in this person's possession, it's not yours yet, you don't have the responsibility, then you'll be pater. But if you befeinish appointed him in front of Aiden, then Rav Chista says that it's, it is already like in your possession. 
Natanan, what did it say in our Mishnah? When you have to, when a Goslin has to pay back what he, uh, what he uh, stole. And the case that the Mishnah spoke about when the person denied it, and now he wants to pay back. So it says, You can't give it not to the person's son and not to his shliach. So no, why not? Why can't you give it to his shliach? The shliach that the nigzal, the owner, uh, the, the, that's sending a shliach to pick up the money that you want to return to him. What kind of a shliach are we talking about? If this is a shliach that was not appointed in the presence of Edim, so then you know your dinner. How do we know that he's a shliach of the nigzal, of the owner of this money that you stole? The case over here is that he was appointed with Edim. And what does it say in our Mishnah? That when you're returning this money, you can't return it to his shliach. Why can't you return it to his shliach? And if he appointed him in front of Edim, according to Rav Chiste, it's he's like the person himself. And as soon as you give the money to the shliach, it's like you gave it to the person himself, to the nigzal himself. So that should be properly returned. And now you can have your kapara. And says the Gemara, Tegim Rav Chista. So here's where Rav Chista said the same shot we said before. Bishiray ulekitai. It's not someone that you befeidish uh, appointed in front of Edim, but it's your worker that just went to the worker of this nigzal that is that went to pick up the money, but he wasn't befeidish appointed in front of Edim. So therefore, it's not going to be like you paid it back directly to the owner. Says the Gemara. But so that means according to Rav Chista, Avashliach sheosib Edim. But if it was a shliach. That the nigzal, befeidish appointed in front of Edom. So my, what would be the halacha? Hochanami to have a shliach? Are you going to say that then <laughs> he is actually a proper shliach of the nigzal? And as soon as you give back the money to the shliach, so then you're done. You don't have to give it directly back to the person himself. If so, adetani sefer. Why does it say afterwards in the Mishnah that there is an exception? There is a case where you don't have to give the money directly back to the to the nigzal to the owner himself. The Mishnah's exception is, If you give it to a Shliach Bezdin, a, rep- a representative of Bezdin, so then the Bezdin holds it for this person. Why does it have to say, Dafka, a case of a Bezdin? The Mishnah can make a distinction even regarding a Shliach himself. When you give it to a Shliach, here the Bach in, and Bach adds in over here a few words to make the Gemara clearer. The Bach adds in, The Mishnah could read as follows. When do I say that if it's given to a shliach, it's not like he gave it to the person himself? When it was stam a worker of, of the nigzal that's coming to pick it up, but, but he wasn't appointed directly from the nigzal for this. Going back into the Gemara, But if it was a shliach that the nigzal himself actually appointed with Edom, so then, then he, he is a proper shliach and you can pay back the shliach. The mission should make this distinction even without bringing up the case of Bezdin. Amri, so the answer to this, the reason why it doesn't bring up the, this distinction regarding a shliach is because that's something which is not always defined. It's not always clear. Because the, if you want to send the money back to the nigzal with a shliach, it will depend who appointed this person as a shliach. The nigzal, or the Gazlan, did you appoint a shliach to deliver it? Or did the Nigzal appoint a shliach to pick it up? Over there, there will be a difference. But shliach Bezdin, so therefore it brings up the case of shliach Bezdin because over there it makes no difference. This representative of the Bezdin that's going to hold on to the money for the owner, it doesn't make a difference if the owner, the Nigzal, appointed the shliach Bezdin or if the Gazlan himself appoints a shliach Bezdin to hold on to the money. Have a shliach. That's a, a shliach that could hold on to the money for the nigzal, and now you can have your kapara. 
subsequently. That's something which is clear. Therefore, the Mishnah brings up this case of Shliach Bezdin, where there's no distinction who appointed the Shliach Bezdin. But Shliach, but if it's a Shliach that was appointed by Edim, so over here there's a difference. If it's the Nigzal that appointed the Shliach to pick it up from you, so then as soon as you give it to the Shliach, it's like it's already in the possession of the Nigzal, and you, you can have your kapara. But if the Gazla appointed this Shliach, then no, you, you're not yet yet with returning it to the owner because he's not he's not the representative of the owner himself. He's not he's, he's just the Gazla Shliach. So this is undefined. So therefore, when the Mishnah wants to make a distinction and it wants to say that there is a case of a Shliach, <laughs> where if you give it to that Shliach, it's like you returned it to the owner himself, it brings a case of a Shliach Bezdin where no matter what, the Shliach Bezdin doesn't make a difference who appointed him. The Gemara says, based on this pshat, according to Rav Chiste here in the Mishnah, Ula Fuke Mahai Tane. When it's when the, our Mishnah says the halacha the Shliach Bezdin, and it doesn't make a difference who appointed the Shliach Bezdin, but this is, is excludes another opinion of the following Tane here that holds that even by a Shliach Bezdin, it does make a difference who appointed the Shliach Bezdin. Because the Tanya and Abraisa we learned Rav Shem Ben Allah Zaymer, Rav Shem Ben Allah said Shliach Bezdin Shaosay Nigzal. Gazlin, that a shliach bezdin, and it has to be a shliach bezdin that the nigzal appoint, appointed, and not that the gazlin appointed. Oy, or even if it would be a shliach bezdin, I also gazlin, the gazlin appointed v'shalach halo v'nata l'shaloi miyadei. But the nigzal then appointed his shliach to go and get it from this shliach bezdin. Then you're going to be potter. Then you return it properly already to the owner. So you see over here that Abshim ben Allah holds that even regarding a Shliach Bezdin, it has to be appointed by the Nigzal himself. The Gemara comes back to the original Machlaikis regarding a Shliach that a person appoints in front of Edim, whether that now that Shliach is Mamish like your representative, that as soon as the Pekodin comes into the hands of the Shliach, it's like you got it already, and the Shaymir is Potter, or no, the fact that you're appointed in front of Edim just means you're telling the Shaymer that I trust these Edim, or the Shliach that is, and you can send it with the Shliach, but it's not like it's already in my possession. It's still going to be your responsibility. That was the original Machlaikis between Rabbah and Avchiste. So the Gemara brings that other Amiram earlier argued about this as well. Rabbi Yechirem and Rabbi Laza Damri Tarvayu, actually they both said a halach about this, they didn't argue about this. Rabbi Yechirem and Rabbi Laza both said, Shliach, Be'edim, a Shliach that you appointed in the presence of Edim, have a Shliach. It is your shliach. As soon as the shaymer gives it to the shliach, it's already in your possession. It's not anymore the shaymer's responsibility what happens with it. Now they asked the question that the Gemara asked before, Vim Mishnah Ah, it says in our Mishnah that if you send a payment of the gzela back to the nigzal, even if the nigzal sent the shliach, the shliach is not the representative of the nigzal, that it's like returned already. It's still your responsibility. So the answer is, Either our Mishnah was not speaking about a case where the Nigzal Befedish appointed a Shliach in front of Edim. Rather, the Nigzal made available for the Gazlin somebody to deliver it back to him. What happened? The Nigzal says to somebody, says to a friend of his, I have an item or money that this person stole from me that he has to pay me back. And he's not sending me the money back. And I'm not sure why not. Maybe it's because he doesn't have who to send the money to with to me. So if you're traveling to that place, be in his vicinity, go around of him. Maybe he can't find anybody to send it to me. And maybe he'll see that you're my friend and he'll send the money with you to me. 
That's the kind of shliach that our Mishnah was talking about. Not a shliach that you directly and clearly appointed in front of Egan. It's just somebody that you gave him the message that be available over there to bring the money back to me. That's the kind of shliach that the Gazlan is not going to be Yetzir just by giving it back to him. He's not a real shliach of the, of the, of the Nigzal. Inami, or similar answer like we already said before, like Rav Chizda said, that it's just a, a worker of yours that is going to get it without you, Befeidish, appointing him in front of Edom, and therefore the, the, the Gazan is not yet with this. Well, that's a different discussion. <laughs> uh, it's a machloikis actually. Rambam, there is famous machloikis when you appoint the Shliach, you have to have Edom to appoint the Shliach. But over here, the Gemara is asking a very specific shaila when you appoint the shliach to pick up a pakodin uh, in front of Adam. What's this? What, what's the significance of that? Does it mean that you meant to say that now whatever is in the hands of the shliach is already like in my hands and the shame has no responsibility, or no? Just because you did it in front of Adam and you appointed him, all you were saying to the shame it is you were giving him a message. I trust him. So, so therefore, you. So we here without Adam for sure it wouldn't work. For sure not. Yeah, <clears throat> without Adam for sure not. Even though in other places in Taita it may work. Yeah, in other cases in Taita over there, you don't have this shaila. Over here, it's a shaila of what his intention was. It's bigger shaila what his intention was when he appointed the shliach in front of Adam. Over Rabbi Yudah Mashmuel, Rabbi Yudah said, the name of Shmuel, similar, <coughs> discussing a similar halacha regarding sending a shliach to pick up a uh, pakotan for you. So he says, <coughs> You don't send back money with a shliach that comes to pick up a, a pekodin, and he has a diyukni. A diyukni means he has a, a, a letter with a certain symbol, with a certain sign that the owner of the money sent him. But it doesn't mean, though, that this shliach, as soon as he's going to get this pekodin in his possession, that now the shamer will, will not have responsibility. He's not a real shliach, mamish representing the mishaleach. Even if it has the signature, of the of the of the owner of this pekodin that he signs him a letter that I want him to go and pick it up. It doesn't matter. This shliach when he gets this pekodin, it's still going to be the responsibility of the shaymer until it arrives back to the mishaleach. So therefore, if the shaymer doesn't trust this shliach, he shouldn't send this pekodin back with this shliach because it's still going to be to his responsibility. And that's even though the owner sent a sign and a signature that I want him to pick it up for me. It doesn't mean, though, just because the owner sent a sign and a signature, it doesn't mean that the owner was saying with that, that when it's going to be in the shliach's hands, it's not going to be your responsibility anymore. It's still going to be your responsibility. So therefore, if you're smart, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't want to have the risk of this person taking, uh, do, doing it, and it's still your responsibility, don't send it with him. Rabbi Yechenin says, If the shliach comes with a signature of Edim, that uh, are signing on, on this, that the owner sent the shliach, then then you could send it with the shliach, because now, once you have Adam that signed in it, if the owner went and brought Adam to sign in it, why did, he, why did he go out of his way to get Adam to sign on this? Because he wants to be clear to the shamer that it's not going to be your responsibility anymore if you send it with the shliach. Mm-hmm. So, so the signature is good enough. The signature shows that it's going, not going to be the shamer's responsibility. So you can send it with the shliach, and that's it. You're putter, whatever happens afterwards. So Amri, the Gemara says, L'shmul. according to Shmuel's opinion, so if, if the owner of this Pekodin wants to get his, he wants to pick up his Pekodin and he sends a Shliach, and even if he sends a sign that I, this is my Shliach, or even if he gets signatures of Edom on this, 
it still doesn't matter. It's still going to be the shayim's responsibility. So my takanta. So what could he do? In what way could the owner send the shliach that the shayim should be confident that it's not going to be his responsibility anymore, and therefore he would send it. So the shayim over here have a discussion whether Shmuel agrees to what the gemara, the, the, the opinion of Rabbi and of Chista before the discussion before, because the gemara seemingly could say, at least according to Rav Chista, if you appoint befeidish. Edim, not just signatures of Edim, but if there's Edim that come and tell us that this shliach was appointed in front of them, then according to Rav Chiste, then it's not the shame's responsibility anymore. So that would be the Takana. So when the Gemara here asks my Takanta, the simple pshat would seem like that Shmuel held like Rabbah, that even if you have actual Edim, it's also not good enough. We also say that uh, it's still going to be the shame's responsibility. So in what way could you send a shliach that it will not be the shame's responsibility once he gives it over to the shliach? So the Gemara says, Kihode Rabbe, Rabbe, that is, it's like, like what happened here in the story of Rabbe. He, he was collecting money for Halva or from a Pekodin that he had that was by Rav Yesu Bachama. And Amalele Rav Safra, he tells Rav Safra that was traveling to that place where Rav Yesu was, when you come back, so I want you to bring me back this pekotin that I have by Rav Yesif. So when Rav Safra went there to where Rav Yesif was, so Amalei Rave Berei, Rave, the son of Rav Yesu Bachama, encountered Rav Safra that came to pick up this pekotin for Rababa. And so his son tells him, of Did Rab Abbe clearly write for you that as soon as you're going to get this pekodin, that Rab Abbe is saying that as soon as it's in the hands of the shliach, it's as if I got it already. And it's not going to be the responsibility of Rav Yosef anymore for when anything that happens with it. He has to write to you clearly these words, his kabalti. It's as if I got it. Did he write for you these words, his kabalti? No, he didn't write for me his kabalti. So here we see this is, this is following along with what Shmuel said. Even if Rab Abba would send Rav Safra and he would write him a sign that he wants him to pick it up, or he would sign Aiden that he wants him to pick it up, it's not good enough. It's not going to be, it's not gonna be in his possession already. It's still going to be responsibility of the Shaymer, of Rav Yasef in this case, which was the Shaymer. He has to have a document where it says his kabalti. It's as if I got it already. <laughs> so therefore he told him, Yachi Zilbereshe. Go first back to Rab Abba. And let him write for you clearly that if you're picking this up, it's as if he already received it. And, there, and, then, you can, and, and then you can come and get it. But then afterwards, Omalei, Dravet, the son of Yosef, told Rav Safre, Even if Rab Abba is going to write to you that it's as if he received it already, as soon as it's in your hands, it's not good enough. Why isn't it good enough? Because Rab Abba at that point was already older. And Dilma Ada Asa Shach of Rab Abba, until you come here, you're going to come back from Rab Abba with this document saying that it's as if Rab Abba received it already. But by the time you arrive here, maybe Rab Abba passed away already. And then Venoflo Zuzi Kame Yasmi, and then what happens? This money now is owned by the Yusayimim, by the inheritors. And the fact that Rab Abba says that it's as if I received it already, it's worthless because now it's owned by the Yusayimim. So therefore, we still won't trust you to take it back to Rab Abba because it's still going to be our responsibility. So it's not, it's not even good enough. So So Rav Safra says, so then what, what, what should I do? How can I pick this up in such a way that you should be confident that once it's in my hands, it's not going to be your responsibility anymore? It's as if Rab Abba got it already. So he said, Zil, you go back to Rab Abba and what you could do is as follows. Let him... 
sell you, give you the, the ownership of this money here that you're picking up with a Kenyan, Kenyan Agav. The Kenyan of Agav is that when you have a piece of land that you sell to someone, and along with that piece of land, you can sell along other metalpolin. Over here, this money or this pecotton uh, that you're coming to pick up. So you should, you should uh, make a Kenyan of Agav, and that's how it becomes yours. So therefore, once it's yours, it's out of our possession. We give it to you. So that, that, that's it. So it's not going to be our responsibility anymore. We'll be ready to give it to you to go deliver to Rababa. That's the only way. And Vesa'at, and then you have to come back. And the cost of loan is Kabalti. And then you, Rav Safra, which is the one picking it up, you will give us a document. It's Kabalti. I got it. And that's it. And, that's, and then it's not going to be our responsibility. That's the, that's the only Yetzirah. You have to have this Kenyan Agav. The Shainim of here discussed that this Kenyan Agav seemingly only works when you have a Pekodin. Because the Pekodin is already a, a Chayfitz that's here by Olam, that you can make a Kenyan Agav the, uh, Agav the Karka. But the, the Halva, it's money that's not, not even in your possession yet. It's money that, is, that the, the, the Leiva has. How could you make a Kenyan Agav that's on the money that's not even yours yet, Bechlal? So that's a problem. The only, the only way you can understand this Gemara is if it's talking about a Pekodin. And the Gemara brings another example where this was done. Kihad, Rav Pape. In case, a similar story was also with Rav Pape. Havamasek, Tracer, Alpha Zuzi, Bey, Chuzoi. He was trying to collect 12,000 Zuz from people in Chuzoi. And he, he had someone that was going there and he wanted him to be able to collect it. That the people should have the confidence to give it to him that it won't, once they give it to him, it won't be their responsibility anymore. So what did he do? So <coughs> he sold the rights of what he was picking up to Rav Shmuel Barabba that was going there. Agav Asifu de Beisei. It was a Kenyan of Agav of the threshold of his house. He says, I'm selling you this area over here of my house. And Agav, this piece of land that I'm selling you, you also have the ownership of this that you're going to pick up. And like this, he's, he was able to pick it up and the people that gave it to him knew that, that, that it's not going to be their responsibility anymore. And then Kiyasa, when Avshmuel Ba'aba was coming back, delivering back the money that he brought for him, Nafak Lapea Tuvach. He went out to greet him until this place called Tovach. He was uh, so happy that finally he was able to arrange to get his money delivered back to him, and he went and he greeted him. Okay. Going back now to the Mishnah, the Mishnah said, Nasan lo that when a person pays the Keren, if he did not, and then the Mishnah says, even though you paid already the keren directly to the owner, and you did not pay the chaymish to the owner, but yet, as soon as you pay the keren directly to the owner, so then you could have your kapara and bring a carbon, you give the chaymish, you don't have to give the chaymish directly to the owner, and you can bring your carbon. Says the Gemara, Alma, what I see from this Mishnah is, chaymish mamaynahu, that the payment of the chaymish has a status of a payment of money. It's not just a payment like a knas, which you have to pay, but it's mamish like a payment of money where the person you're paying it to has a right to demand from you to pay it to him. It's his money. Just like the keren, the principal that you're paying back. You stole from him and he, it's his money. And he, he's demanding, give me my money. Chaymish has the exact same status. How do you see this from this Mishnah? So Rashi says, from the fact that the Mishnah has to come and specify and clarify that giving the keren is enough, but you don't have to give him the chaymish directly. That's a raya that the chaymish really does have the same status of a money that he has a right to collect from you like the keren itself. And nevertheless, the Mishnah says, once you pay the keren, we learn from the Pasuk that just giving the keren itself, you have to give it to him himself. That's enough. And even if you didn't give him the chaymish, you could already have the kapara. 
Okay, that's one right from our Mishnah. What's the relevance from this? Ve is the relevance of this is if this person, the Nigzal dies, Mishalma Leyarshin. That not only the the, the uh, Goslin himself has to pay it, but even the, the Yarshim of the Goslin also have the responsibility to pay this. Yeah. The, the, the Gemara is soon going to talk about the case of the Nigzal. Okay. I, I ran ahead of myself. Over here it's talking about the case where the Goslin died. Another diet to this is, we learned in the Mishnah, a person paid the Keren already. And the Chaimish didn't pay yet, but he swore falsely regarding the Chaimish that I don't owe you the Chaimish. And then afterwards he comes and he admits that he owes the Chaimish and he wants to do Tshuva and he wants to pay that Chaimish. So now, he has to pay back that fifth that he denied and he has to pay a chaym- an additional Chaimish on that Chaimish which he just denied. Alma, so again I see this point, who that this chaimish itself has a status of money that you owed him. If this chaimish were stama knas and you deny that, you wouldn't pay a chaimish on the chaimish. You only pay a chaimish on stealing money from someone, money that belongs to him. So over here, the fact that you pay a chaimish on denying the original chaimish, it shows you that the status of this chaimish is like money that this person owns. And the Tanyanami, and we learned another case. Uh, a person steals from his friend and he swears to him falsely that uh, he didn't owe him the money. And then he dies. So the Yarshim have to pay the Karen and the Chaimish. Uh, but, and they're potter from any carbon Asham. But the Karen and the Chaimish, they have to pay. Okay, so over here you see again over here over here it's also I think it's also talk, right it's also talking about when the uh, Goslin uh, died, yeah, and then the Yerushim have to pay this uh, this Karen and the Chaimish. Okay, so that's what we see over here. So up until here, the Gemara proves that both the Karen and the Chaimish is a payment of money that the Yerushim pay. Is this true that the Yerushim have to pay the Chaimish that the father would have to pay? After the father dies, they have to pay this chaymish. The Gemara brings another b'raise where it clearly says not so. But Amino, I'll ask you from what it says clearly in a b'raise. Adai in Aniyayme, the b'raise here talks about this case, and the b'raise says, I would think to say, When does a Yerish not pay the chaymish of the father? If not the Yerish himself, or not the father swore falsely about it. Or who v'loy aviv? Or if the Yiddish himself swore falsely about this gzela, but the father did not. Or Aviv Eloyahu, the father swore falsely about it, but the Yiddish himself did not. In all of these cases, I would say then that the Yiddish does not have to pay the Chaimish. However, what's in a case where both the father swore falsely, swore falsely about this, and the Yiddish also swore falsely about this, I, I don't have this money. Minayin, how do I know that still after you swear falsely, the Yiddish does not pay the Chaimish? Talmud Laima, the Pasuk says, Asher Gozal Asher Oshak. What that means is, only the one that actually stole, he's the one that if he swears falsely, does he have to pay the Chaimish? And Vahula Gozal Oshak. But the Yiddish does not pay the Chaimish, because he's not the one that stole. So the Braise clearly says that the Yiddish does not pay the Chaimish. So we have a clear contradiction about this regarding the payment of the Chaimish, whether the Yiddish pays it or not. Rav Nachman, so Rav Nachman answers like Kashya. There's no contradiction here. When it says that the Yiddish pays the Chaimish, that's if the father already swore falsely, and afterwards he came and admitted that he swore falsely, so there's a, once he admitted there was an obligation to pay the Chaimish, 
So the Yerush has to pay that in his place. But Khan But over here in the Brisa where it says that you don't pay the Chaimish is because the father was never made it to this. You only pay a Chaimish if the father was made it, but if he wasn't made it, you don't pay. Okay, so now the whole continuation of the Gemara over here is going to try to explain. So you t- you're saying that the, the Yerush does not pay a Chaimish because the father wasn't made it. But if that's the case, he shouldn't pay the Keren as well. If he was never made it to this, and there's no Adem here. We're not speaking about a case where there's Adem. If there's a case that, that, that there's Adem over here, then you don't pay any Chaimish Bechlal. You only pay if, there's, if the person himself is being made it. So, but if he wasn't made it, why? How is there a payment of Keren? If his bride is speaking about a case where he was not made, and that's why the child, the, the Yerush, does not pay the Chaimish, he shouldn't pay the Keren either. Okay, so now, the, as I said, the whole continuation of the Gemara is going to discuss what could be a case where you could divide the Chaimish from the Keren. That on one hand, Yerushim don't pay the Chaimish, but they still have a responsibility to pay the Keren. If you'll argue to say, well, actually, the pshat in this b'raise is that you don't pay not the chaymish and not the keren. Because the father wasn't my, so you don't pay either. That, that's not true. That, that can be. If you'd want to say that this is taka true, you don't pay not the chaymish and not the keren. No, but they see clearly the b'raise is bringing a pasik to say that the yairish is part from paying only the chaymish. So that means that the Keren, the, the Yerish does pay, only the Chaimish is part thereof. So what is that case where we divide the Chaimish from the Keren? Another raya is from the continuation of the Bryce. The continuation of the Bryce says clearly that the Keren, the Yerish does pay. As the Bryce there says, I would still say, When does the Yerish pay the Keren? For this that the father stole, in a case where the father swore falsely about it, and he, the Yerish himself, also swore falsely about it, or or if the father swore falsely, and even if the Yerish himself didn't, or the Yerish swore falsely about it, even if the father didn't. If none of them swore falsely about this gzela here, how do you know that it's still the responsibility of the Yerish to pay the Karen of the gzela? Tamad Laima, you have there in the Pasik when it speaks about this halacha, it says Gzele, Vaishik, Aveda, Opakadan. It mentions all different kinds of Lushainis, all different kinds of cases, to tell me that in all of these cases the Yairish has to pay. That's what it says in the Braisa. So the Braisa clearly says that the case over here is that the Yairish does not pay the Chaimish, but he does pay the Pikadin. And the Braisa finishes off with the words Yesh Talmud. What does the words Yesh Talmud mean? So the Gemara here brings two pshatim for this. This is a side point, but the Gemara says, "V'yosef Rav Huna v'ka'amar lahosh ma'ite." Rav Huna was saying over this brayse. Amalei Rabbe Berei, Rabbe his son asked him about this. Yesh Talmud. What does Yesh Talmud mean? Yesh Talmud ka'amar. It meant to say that Yesh Talmud meaning you have a drasha from the pasuk that this that the child has to pay the gzela is learned from the extra words of the psukim here. Ka'amar. That's what the, the master said here. Oi, or maybe I miss I misheard uh, you. Maybe you're saying something else. Or yishtalmu ka'amar. Or maybe not yishtalmu. You were saying that they have to pay. It's not a drasha from a pasig, but you just learn it out misvara that the child has to pay the gzela of the father. Amalei. So he answered him yishtalmu ka'amina. I meant to say that there's a drasha from the pasig. Umibiribuye the kra. It's a ribuy. You're learning it out from the pasig here. The extra words in the pasig as the brayser quoted. Okay, as I said, this is a side point. The main point is the Gemara now is trying to figure out how is it a case where the child pays the Keren but does not pay the Chaimish. If both the Keren and Chaimish, as the Gemara before proved, is money, it's, it's money that, uh, that the father owes. So why should we make any distinction between them?
Amri, so the Gemara now explains, what did Rav Nachmi before mean to say when he said that he was not moide, elamai loyhoide, loyhoide oviv? The case of here is that the father himself was never moide after he swore falsely about it. The father himself was not moide. But for hoide benoi, what happened was the son then was moide. The son swore falsely about this and the son was moide. So therefore the son does not pay for the fact that he was moide. He pays keren. Because he was Maidah, so he pays the Kenner, but he does not pay the Chaimish. But the Gemara right away asks, this is not a good explanation why he wouldn't pay the Chaimish. Why shouldn't the son pay the Chaimish on his, uh, he, he swore falsely. The B'raise clearly spells out that one of the cases is where the son himself swore falsely about this gzela that he has from his father. And then afterwards he was Maidah. So, so now he's a gazlan in his own right. Why shouldn't he have to pay both a Karen and a Chaimish for this? So the question still remains, what's the distinction here? Why Karen he pays and the Chaimish he does not pay? So Amri the Gemara says the answer is when the actual Zayla, the item that was stolen, is not here anymore. So if it's not here anymore, so therefore you don't pay the Chaimish for this. But if the Zayla is not here, so then you shouldn't pay the Karen either. So again, you can't make a distinction between the Chaimish and the Karen. Answers the Gemara, the Ike Achrayis, the Bachir adds, the Ike Achrayis Nechassim, that the father left in properties. And therefore, the properties, that's where you collect the Karen from. The Chaimish, you do not collect from these properties, and that the Gemara is soon going to ask, why not? But the Gemara is saying now that the actual item that was stolen is not here, but there are properties that you can pay up with. So therefore, the Karen is collected from these properties. Now the Gemara asks on this, and this whole next Kasha and Teretz here, according to Rashi, you're not Gaitis, but other Rishayim are Gaitis it. The Gemara asks on this, If the father left over properties, my have it. Why would you collect the, the Keren of this Gzela from his properties? Milval Pehi, it's like a loan that's not in a document, because this is a Gzela, there's no document about this. And the rule is, We don't collect any Milva, any loan that's not written in a document, not from Yoshin and not from buyers. So how would you collect over here the Keren of this Geneva from this property? So as I said, Rashi says, you're not good at this because there's a Mishnah later in the Masech that says, Befeidish, that Gzela is collected from properties. And that actually has other reasons also why he says you can't be good at this uh, piece in the Gemara here. Either way, if you are good at it, the Gemara answers, Omri, the case of here is, Bisha'omad Bedin. When the father was already alive, there was already a Din about this. And because there was already a Din and the Bezdin already paskin that the father has to pay, so therefore it's like it's written in a document. Because the Bezdin already paskin about this. And therefore the Keren, you have to pay from these properties. Okay, now the Gemara comes back to the original discussion here. So if there are properties, even though the actual gazela is not here anymore, but there's actual properties from the father that you could collect the Karen from, Ibish Ahmed Bedin, and there was already a Psakdin of the Bezdin, and I'm full of Chaimish Navi Mishalem. So why don't you pay the Chaimish? Again, the, the, the question remains, what's this case that, the, that you're telling me that the Brais is saying that the Karen, the Yerish, pays, but the Chaimish does not pay? Why don't you take the Chaimish from the properties as well? So one answer Rav Yeshua says is because there's a rule over here as follows. The payment of the Chaimish is because of the false Shvua. And the payment of the false Shvua does not apply to Karkois. Since you don't have the actual Gzela itself, the payment is only coming from the Karkois that you got from the father. A false Shvua regarding Karkois, there's no payment of Chaimish. That's the Halacha. 
as it's, it's learned out from Sukkim, when, when, that uh, just like there's no din of Shvua benegayat the Karka, there's no payment of a Chaymish regarding the Karka. But the Keren, you still have to pay. But he, but the sunlight. Yeah, it doesn't make a difference. Even, so even, on what the sun's on. Yeah, and, no, but his son only pays, though, with the Shibud of those Karkais, though. He's only, he's only paying... Because it's and a chanami, but it's, it's still the, the gzela started off by the father, and now the father, the son has responsibility to pay that father's gzela. Why does he have to pay that father's gzela? The gzela, the, the actual gzela is gone. It's not here anymore. So when, when the gzela is gone, a son does not have responsibility to pay the, pay the father's gzela. He's only paying it because it's karkois that are still here from the father. So therefore, you could only collect the gzela from the karkois. When the son lies and swears falsely, his shvua relates to the payment of the karka. A payment that comes from karka, you don't pay a chaymish for that. So therefore, he's only, this is the case which the b'raisa says that the son only pays the keren and not the chaymish. That's one example. That's one case. Rav says another case, <coughs> what's the case where the son, the Yerush, only pays the Keren and not the Chaymish, even though the son himself swore falsely and he was Aviv. The Gzela itself is here. But this Gzela is in a sack that belongs to the father. And where was it? It wasn't in, this, in the Yerush's own possession. It was Mufkadis Biyad Acherim. It was by someone else. Someone else was holding on to it. So therefore, the case of here is when the son swore falsely, he didn't realize he's swearing falsely. He didn't know that it was still here. He said, I don't have it. And he thought it's talking out here. So the Karen is going to have to give back because the fact is it's still here. Once it's discovered, he has to give it back. But the Chaymish is not going to pay back because when he swore and he said, I don't, I don't have it, he thought that he doesn't have it. He didn't know that it's here. So this is the case where the Raisa says that he pays the cat and he doesn't pay the Chaymish.